0: This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless, available online at
1: bravadowireless.com.
0: But to have CSA go through what they did, and it forced them to try to find a way to fight through and get a victory. And I think that is something that uh, our next guest can speak to as well when we start talking about TCU and basketball. And what they're going through right now is Jamie Plunkett joins us here from frogstoday.com. Uh, Coach Boynton was talking about trying to find a way through some of the injury issues that they had and just get a win and it forced them to be better in other spots. I mean, that is a carbon copy of what is happening right now with TCU is without Mike Miles, uh, 59 points last night, tied for a season low. Like like TCU hasn't just been able to find a way, have they, Jamie, to to find a way through losing Mike Miles um, to find another path to victory. It's incredibly difficult, and they're, they're in the deep end right now.
1: Uh, They really are. Thanks for having me on. But, uh, you know, I I think when you look at where TCU was two and a half weeks ago versus where they are now, it's it's a very different story. And you're absolutely right. It's because Mike Miles has been absent. Um, I'll be completely honest. I thought he was going to play on Wednesday against Iowa State. He obviously tweeted out on uh, the afternoon of that game that he was not going to play and that he'd come back fully ready. Um, but Jamie Dixon even said after that loss to Iowa State on Wednesday night that he had penciled in a starting five for TCU, and he got three of those names wrong because he wasn't even sure who was going to be able to go by game time um, for the Cyclones. So that's just the situation that TCU has found themselves in for the last couple of weeks. and. Frankly, uh, their seeding in the NCAA tournament is taking a major hit because of it.
0: So because of that issue, Jamie, um, I, I mean, I can only imagine how frustrating it is, not just from a fan perspective, but from Coach Dixon, who if he's getting three of the starting five wrong on that, uh, the entire the, just watching it happen and not knowing what the availability is going to be, I, I imagine that has just had a ripple effect of frustrations throughout the entire program.
1: Well, it has to an extent. Uh, You know, I think some of the uh, role players on the team are are fine with expanded uh, opportunities to play on the court. Shahadeh Wells has played uh, very well. Uh, Xavier Cork has played very well in the absence of Mike Miles and Eddie Lampkin, respectively. But, you know, it's hard to lose your leading scorer and continue to win games in a league that's as competitive as the Big 12. And while TCU fans are are reeling a little bit, they're they're starting to sound some of the alarms. I, I think it's important to remember that, Mike Miles is one of the elite players in the conference and arguably in the country. And when he comes back and is fully healthy, this is going to be a different team. And guys that are in larger roles than they were in, were anticipating being in, when those guys slot back into their normal roles, this is going to be a team that the Frog fans remember beat Kansas State by mm-hmm. 20 points, beat Kansas by 20 points. Uh, came back from a 17-point deficit to beat Baylor down in Waco. This is a team that's capable of winning impressive games, uh, and, and they'll get back to that. They just have to get healthy first.
0: One of the things that still uh, continues to be a little bit hollow just on the offensive end for them is I know last night they went 5 of 19 from 3. They haven't necessarily been a great 3-point shooting the entire year. Lowest 3-point percentage shooting in the in the Big 12 made the fewest 3s. Uh that, that's an area, though, that they've proven that they can overcome that off of what you just noticed there, but they just haven't been able to find their way in shooting the three ball at all.
1: No, they really haven't. And that's that's uh, a little bit of a divergence from TCU programs of the past when you think about Kenrich Williams and Desmond Bain and, and RJ Nembhard and some of those teams that were really volume three-point shooting teams, and they made them at a high clip. Um, Dixon has had to adjust what they do. Offense to accommodate the skill set of the guys that he's got. You know, Mike Miles is a decent three point shooter, uh, but realistically, he's at his best when he's driving to the rim and distributing the ball. Same with Damian Ball. Um, and you know, when the when your leading three point shooter is is your four, you're starting four uh, <laughs> Emmanuel Miller. Um, that's that's a signal that you've got to find baskets in other ways. And TC when they're healthy. Uh, is very capable of getting to the rim. I think they're near the top of the conference in points in the paint per game. Uh, They're very good in transition. They still lead the country in points per game in transition and on the fast break. And so they've found other ways to score. But when they start to get into that half-court game like we saw against Iowa State this week, uh, it can lead to some trouble, especially when when you're without Mike Miles.
0: That was my next question, is how would you describe them offensively right
1: now? Uh, Just out of sorts. Frankly, uh, you know, they show moments where they are still capable of scoring in bunches. You look at the Baylor game in Fort Worth this past weekend. Uh, you know, they, they scored 68 points, uh, but they also only scored, I think, seven points in the last eight minutes of the game. And so they score in bunches when they get rebounds and get out in transition. That's very clearly when they're at their best. Threes falling is just, a, a you know, a plus at this point. You can't expect that or count on that from the Frogs, but moving the ball inside out getting to the rim and getting layups and really letting your, your offense uh, generate points in the paint is where TCU thrives, but they haven't been able to do that largely because Mike miles has gone, but also you, know, you can't, understate the importance of Eddie Lampkin and his absence has has dealt a, a big blow to this team as well
0: yeah when teams have been able to limit that right getting the ball out quickly trying to get those fast break opportunities um that I mean that's been a significant struggle for them uh because you've you've absolutely seen that it's a switch that's been flipped about oh this is this is our best way to get them now because they can't do this the way they were before
1: Exactly, and we saw that in the beginning of, of the last time these two teams met when, when TCU traveled up to Stillwater. Oklahoma State jumped out to a really big early lead because they were keeping TCU off the boards and they were dropping uh, in transition really, really well defensively and keeping TCU from getting out, uh, out and running like they like to. And so if Oklahoma State's capable of doing that again on Saturday, they could very well come away with another win, I will say, uh, and maybe with a little bit of risk to my reputation here, that I do think Mike Miles is going to play on Saturday. Uh, I do think Eddie Lampkin will be back as well, uh, at, at least a little bit healthier. And if that's the case, then TCU could get back to looking like the team they were at the beginning of conference play. But again, if those guys are absent, it all, all bets are off for the frogs.
0: You know, there there was a moment there, and help me uh, remember because I, I think I I was watching, but I wasn't watching. It was one of those one of those nights. Um, didn't TCU kind of cut the lead around the 10-minute mark to, to single digits against Iowa State? But again, it's just hard to uh, kind of overcome everything, which was from you know turnovers, the foul issues. But they, they did at one point, though, at least get it back to single digits with about uh, 10 minutes left in the second half.
1: They did. They cut the the lead to seven, I believe, as close as they got in the second half. But, you know, when you spend all – we saw this, you know, Mike Miles went down in the early minutes of the Mississippi State game as part of that Big 12 SEC challenge. And then that game, and the game against Baylor, and the game against West Virginia, uh, pretty much every game – Oklahoma State game is another great example uh, up in Stillwater. TCU spends so much of their time working their way out of a hole – that when you finally pull even again and you 're exhausted, the other team is able to to step on the gas again uh, and, and create some more separation and and so that that 's a depth issue right now that 's a stamina issue for the horn frogs right now, and it 's a game plan issue because they simply aren 't being allowed to do the things that they were successful at earlier
0: you that. you talked about wells earlier um who else if there's anyone else that comes to the top of your mind right now that's been kind of that that energy guy for them that when they've needed it uh, has at least stepped up their play in his absence?
1: Uh, Damien Ball is, is the first guy that comes to mind. Damien is an incredible guard in his own right. He actually, even with Mike on the court this year, has been more of the primary ball handler, which allows Mike to move more off the ball, work off of screens, and try to get open that way a little bit. It's, it's alleviated some of the defensive pressure that teams have been able to put on Mike Miles. Um, but Baugh is, is uh, you know, the leading assist man on this team. That was the case before Mike went out with an injury. He's had, I, I think, six or more assists in his last five games. He almost had a triple-double in TCU's loss to Baylor over the weekend with 16 points, 10 boards, and 7 assists. He, uh, or, sorry, 10 assists and, and 7 rebounds. Um, he led the team in every single category, which not great if your, guard, your point guard is leading your your team in rebounding. But uh, he is an energy guy. He's an incredible passer. He's got great core vision. Uh, but he's another guy who really relies on getting to the rim to get his points, uh, not not the best three-point shooter in the world. And, and that's where TCU is just really lacking overall.
0: From your perspective, uh, taking TCU out of it when they've been 100% healthy, uh, Jamie, who, who in your opinion, is the best team in this conference, which is just unbelievably loaded um, I mean, it's, it's a coin flip sometimes on some of these games when you go in, just when you think you have it pegged, which way it's going to go, it goes the opposite direction. But who's the best team that you think that you've seen so far this year?
1: Gosh, I don't know. That's a really good question. I was impressed with Texas's ability to come back against the Frogs. The Frogs had an 18-point lead in the second half down in Austin, and the Longhorns came back to win that game. I might have said Kansas State after their last meeting with TCU, but they've dropped a couple in mm-hmm. a row. Uh, I would argue probably Baylor right now yeah. is is running at the highest rate. I think they're I think they're doing they're clicking at the best rate right now. Um, but I mean you're right. There are six or seven teams you could say on any given moment are are the best in in the league. And I think TCU when they're healthy can qualify for that. Uh, they just aren't right now.
0: And uh, as we joked yesterday, here it is. It was the 15th yesterday, and looky, looky, Kansas is right there back atop the league standings. It's like you just can't forget about the Jayhawks (laughs) ever, uh, no matter what. They're just the uh, the cockroach in the conference that you can't kill no matter what. Uh, Just continue to find a way. Um, Your opinion on Oklahoma State and how the last, I know Kansas wasn't their best performance defensively, lagged a little bit, but I always enjoy hearing an outsider's opinion on Oklahoma State.
1: Look, I, I love the way Mike Boynton has these guys playing. I, I think that he, is, first of all, it just I would be remiss if I didn't say that uh, you know the the M C double shenanigans that Oklahoma State has had to overcome the last couple of years really kind of put them behind the eight ball when you consider the depth of the conference and that they weren't able to maybe recruit some of the guys that they would have otherwise been able to get because of some of those sanctions and so. Props to him, uh, to Coach Boynton and, and the rest of that staff and the administration for handling things the way that they did. I thought uh, they did everything by the book. They still got punished, and um, then when they when they got their punishment, they they were okay with being a little bit verbal, vocal about about their displeasure with that but I think you know with Oklahoma State what I saw in that first game with TCU was a team that really puts forth an incredible amount of effort on the defensive end and they allow that to create opportunities for them on offense and uh, they're definitely uh, you know any any team can beat anyone on any given night and Oklahoma State has proven to to fit that mold as well and and I think a a couple other things break their way this year they're sitting near the top of the conference than, than they currently are.
0: Last one from me, um, away from basketball, but basketball is a part of this too. Um, and if they're able to pull up out of uh, the situation they're in right now, what a hell of a year for TCU athletics! Uh, just, just phenomenal from from start to finish. Uh, I can only imagine just the overall energy and strength that exists around the entire department right now.
1: It, it has been one heck of a year. Absolutely, it has. You know, I think uh, if you had told any TCU fan what would happen in the national championship game back in August, every single TCU fan would sign up for that. Every single one, because <laughs> you're talking about the little old Horn frogs making it to the national championship, being the first team from the state of Texas to make the college football playoffs, uh, beating Michigan in the Fiesta bowl. Uh, I mean, just what a run for Sonny Dykes in his first year as head coach. And there has absolutely been a ripple effect from the football program out to basketball, out to baseball, out to some of these other sports as well. Shout out to TCU's all-women's rifle team, which is uh, on, on the path to, to win another national championship this year as well, right? Like, the trickle-down has been incredible, and just what Sonny Dykes has been able to do culturally, not just with TCU football, but with the entire athletics department of making things more open, of, of allowing more access, and making it really kind of student-athlete forward has uh, resonated incredibly well, not just, not just in the athletics department at TCU, but across the whole university, and, and you're seeing the results of that.
0: This has been great. Jamie, I appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Tell uh, Brian Estridge we said hello, and uh, we'll have to do this again sometime (laughs) soon. Uh, Coming up, really enjoyed it, and uh, really, really enjoy the content that you guys have on frogstoday.com.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I'll definitely tell Brian hello for you, and I'm looking forward to coming back on and talking.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Jamie. Have a great day. You too. All right, there he goes. TCU, Oklahoma State, coming your way noon with the pregame right here on the blitz 1170 all right that was jamie plunkett from frogstoday.com we'll take a timeout brent venables is speaking he's introducing some of the new members 25 i believe is the total with the mid-year enrollees and the transfer portal signees for the oklahoma sooners we'll find out what the boss is saying next that's brent venables here on the blitz 1170
1: Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.